can talk the 20 years stuff as well. Uh, is that what you guys want to start with? Yeah, let's start with that. Sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, here we go. Welcome to episode 44 of Podcast X. I am your host, Ben Kendrick. I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Keys. Hello, I'm here reporting live from Los Angeles. <laughs> and Kobe Outlaw, special guest. What's up? Um, before we get started today, we're going to be talking about the Marvels. We made you a little Hunger Games prequel preview. We're going to talk some Loki. But before we before we start, we have to say happy birthday to ourselves. Yeah. Um, well, at least to Rob, because Rob is the only <laughs> remaining member of Screen Rant that is still at Screen Rant. But uh, yeah, Screen Rant celebrated 20, 20 years where we all uh, work together now this past week. So, Rob, what? Yeah, like, man. Ox sent you a birthday message. Tim Gunn sent you guys a birthday message. We, we uh, yeah. So, I guess November 13th is like the official day. So November 13th, you know, uh, 2003, which is so weird to say that's like, and I wrote and I wrote an article about this thing. Um, but you got to remember 2003, dude, this is like, this is like pre Disney does not own Marvel yet. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. no Marvel studios doesn't even finance its own films yet. This is when blockbuster had just before I hit the peak of when it had its most locations in the world. Could yeah. you imagine Blockbuster? Streaming wasn't a thing. Lord of the Rings trilogy was still coming to theaters. The third movie, you know what I mean? Oh, Battlestar yeah. Galactica was just starting. Just a crazy era. But this was um, obviously, you know, kind of like, I guess, three or four years before um, Kofi jumped in uh, out of us. He was the, or the first. And then a year later, it was me. And a year later, it was you, Ben. So we were there back when it was like a nothing little personal blog. And, of course, the story <laughs> I goes. I will tell you. I love how you navigate those corporate waters now. That's so great. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's I read that article like in detail. I was cracking the fuck up about some of that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Thank you. You know what? You know what? Let's not even – you know what? You guys have done such – you know, at this point, you guys, like from where we started and what you guys have done, like it's so different now. Let's not even go backwards to how it started. It's unimportant what the first concept <laughs> yes. of screen rant was i think what's important is what happened when we all jumped it like kind of jumped in yes like yeah sure. yeah the old version was uh it was a place it was on the internet let's just say yeah. and yeah, uh, and yeah. It, it didn't do much it was an ugly ass website and you know a personal yeah. blog that had barely any content and then you came in and, and you approached it because you had some experience beforehand you were working for another site you came in and kind of knew what to do as a, a more of an editorial type site and i, I, I kind of I made as much mention to as many people as I could in an article that has to look back at 20 years and keep a lot of parties happy. Um, but yeah, certainly you came in and kind of made it more of a real, we always called it more of a magazine style thing back then, right? Something a little more. Yeah, serious. it was like a webazine or something. We had some crazy, we had some crazy words and ideas that, yeah. that, are, that are dead along with HD DVD. So don't worry, <laughs> so don't worry about any of that. You know, like we're yeah. living in Blu-ray now. That's the important thing. But um, yeah. yeah, no. It was just for me, I think it was just and I think I like tweeted uh, when I retweeted and kind of quoted your post about this. It was just like 
my whole thing was, you know, I had been a fan and read magazines and in websites for years. Like I had read Ain't It Cool News for years and Entertainment Weekly. I got shipped to wherever I was living every month. But it was just like finding that space for like fans to be able to talk about theories and stuff. Because I saw that in 1999. That kind of like changed my life was when I was a senior in high school. And then all those movies came out. Like uh, those franchise movies or just like The Sixth Sense, The Matrix, Phantom Menace, like all these movies that made people like sit around and start talking and dropping theories and talking about the next movie and doing all that. And I saw that in real life and I was like, man, like, why don't we have places? There's like chat threads on the Internet, but it's like you scroll down and all of a sudden it's like somebody's dick and you're like, oh, all right, back to my conversation. (laughs) But what about like a dedicated place and like. Where it's just like, you know, actually fans talking and having fun. And back then, the crazy thing was like back then people, and and this is so funny about like how things have changed so much. Like back then, everybody told us we were nuts for writing these like long articles. People yeah. yell at us, all the, con- like all the trolls back then were just like, oh, first of all, what were the top comments? It was like, oh, you guys don't have any scoops. You guys are just quoting like collider or all or latino reviewer slash film or all these other places and like you guys aren't breaking scoops and we're like yeah we don't care about that like we care about like talking when we find out the information like what could it be wouldn't it be cool if like all this stuff and like we were right about that and the whole idea and like internet analysts and all of you there's so many people that i like know don't deserve your fucking jobs don't you always should know i know who you are (laughs) and i smile because i've been trained well at home by good parents but like i know who you are uh but like web analyst air quotes back then were like here's the game you want to pop in get information pop out that's the internet and i was like everybody always wants to waste time like what are you talking about yeah people love wasting time on fun things and like talking or just like reading about whatever and so we just wrote stuff that was like fun to write like and i always remember like there was this weird in-between point where I moved houses and I was like living in a closet in Hoboken, New Jersey. But that was also like a summer and, and like into fall. That was like the most fun time I think ever I had doing this. And it was with you guys. It was like when we were waiting on the dark night rises, it was like after the dark night, it was about yeah 2010 or so. It was like while we were waiting on the dark night rises or before we fully knew information movies like, uh, paranormal activity was that one of the first one of those come out and like started coming oh, out yeah. but it was just like and we started writing like the ending explain and inception happened in those years yeah yeah paranormal activity was 2007 so like yeah that whole period was like so much fucking fun like just doing all that crazy shit and having fun writing all those new kind of editorial concepts that like now every friday like i go and you know i'm just like hey what's coming out like what should we when you're kind of going over like what what's out there and like what's spiking and you're just like, holy shit, the front page of like the entire internet is always just like ending explained for like whatever yeah. fucking thing. And you're just oh, like, yeah. oh my God, this is nuts. <laughs> like absolutely yeah. nuts. It, and yeah, if I mean, people that, actually knew the state, it's ironic because I told you guys how I'm feeling today, but if people knew the state of like when I hammered out that first ending explained article, and I sent it in to the to the old owner, and he was like, uh, "Good first attempt." Maybe crack at it, and I was just like, "Oh, I was like, God, I was just like faced out on a couch in San Diego somewhere." And I was like, "All right, I was like, I gotta really get up." And the and the things I did to get myself 
hair of hair of the dog to to like get up and get that thing cracked out is I'm happy some people lost their minds on that on that chat thread but uh yeah man it was it's pretty ironic it's funny to see but uh now it's just like a crazy industry standard but um yeah man it's uh it's been nuts but it's just it was such a fun time of just kind of like showing kind of what little ideas and fun effort you can put out into the world and how big it can grow and like what it can do and now it's just like it was funny. I was like at a comic con, <laughs> the last comic con I was on. I was just like walking around the floor, and some of you guys were just out there, and they were like out of the way, pedestrian. They were like, "We got to get this content. It's screen rant in time." And I was like, "Holy shit!" I was like, "Just <laughs> time." I would have been like, I'd have been. My eyes would have been like heart emojis when I was like editor in chief to have like a bunch of people scrambling across just doing that shit. It was like, it's that's uh, so good. It's, it's a very good. different. Beast. But yeah, I, I love what that you referenced the 2010 era because back then, and this is like when the three of us were kind of really building it. What I loved about it for, was a few things. One, to what Kofi was saying, it was a fun place to go to because it had a, like a real discussion sort of element to what we were writing. But obviously, we had comments as well, and there was like a real oh, yeah. that was a real big thing for ten years where like people came back over and over and over again, and there was an ongoing comment thread. And there was a period where you could look at the homepage and there'd be like a number every article and every single article we put up had like 60 comments 100 comments and like it was amazing and it was unlike most other sites or unlike most other forums our comments were for the most part people that actually loved the stuff and wanted to share their thoughts it was it wasn't it wasn't toxicity it wasn't craziness it wasn't what you see on twitter nowadays you know um that i loved but also what we were writing it was like there were no rules all the other web blogs would do tiny little news posts and we would just take that information and give you all the insight and analysis and a deep dive, and then our thoughts, what's coming next. And then everything we were covering back then, this is the era when all the franchises we grew up reading or loving, whether it's figuring out who's going to be in the Dark Knight Rises and theorizing what comes next, whether it's what we think is going to happen with Cable and, and Deadpool and could they get their own movies in the Fox universe to the very beginnings of the MCU and, and all these rumors of a Star Wars live-action TV show that George Lucas is working on, Harry Potter. It's all the shit we grew up knowing. So we're coming from a place where we're not just reporting news. It's we're sharing our like everything we grew up with is now becoming mainstream. We have an inherent knowledge and we can write it in a way that nobody else is writing it. It's very like from the heart and, and real. It's a real discussion. And of course, over the years, with the three of us and everybody else afterwards, the quality got better and better and better. And we had stricter standards for how we format and present that and handle images and all that kind of stuff. But as we <laughs> evolved it, people- that's just, these people will never know just those behind the scenes arguments and how crazy that stuff would yeah, get about. But it was all yeah, us. Yeah. We changed everything. Yeah. Oh yeah, but everybody had like an. It's funny to look back on now because like everybody had an element to like what they were like so crazy about. Like I was so crazy about the writing. Rob was so crazy about like the presentation and the in the fucking pictures. Which yeah. I mean, ultimately, you won that fight. Like dimensions now <laughs> are just so much better. Like yeah, yeah. I mean, but also like big. It's the, no, it's the quality of the images too. Like we don't use stock yeah. images. I was a big proponent of trying to make a custom image that matched the title because in my, in my head, that always caught my eye. And I think if you see that, it stands out versus everyone else is using the same poster over and over and over again. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's like my one. That's my uh, part of my screen rant stock is sometimes I'm just like, you guys made a better image. I'm not going to try to fight this. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just recutting you guys' images. I was like, if there's one thing I've earned in my retirement, I'm just like. I'm not recovering. not picking up these images. Yeah. No, but you know, thanks to Rob Keys, I, I do make a fair amount of images that are now like pretty pretty much out there. I do cut my still cut a pretty good amount of images, but sometimes I'm just like I look up things. And I'm like, well, fuck, you guys have already <laughs> got some crazy images. 
Like it's just too late now. Like I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna do something better than that. That was a. It was like a definitely a special time, not just for us like building the site, but just for like movies in general. Like it was such a fun time to be doing what we were doing. I think because you mentioned it, it's like I think you and I when we were in grad school, we had a conversation about Paranormal Activity coming out, and it's like the first one of those, and it was like, oh yeah, it's this found footage thing, and you're like, it's pretty good, it's pretty interesting. Like I'd like to see more of these, and. It's like when you think that that's when, you know, Marvel was like spinning up. And I mean, you mentioned yeah. some of these things that had just come before that, like the Lord of the Rings. But I mean, the industry is this is really there was just a lot of really interesting things happening in Hollywood at that time. Whereas right now, I, I feel like you look at it and, it, you know, there are movies that are coming out that people like. And maybe there's sort of a resurgence of indie films and like A24 and and sort of their portfolio. But in general, I, I don't look at the movies that are coming out right now and you can maybe blame, blame COVID or you can blame, you know, I don't know, strikes and things like that. But some of these franchises that were really spinning up at that time and it was really exciting, like you were saying, Rob, like these are our childhood dreams coming alive are kind of like a miss right now. And it's hard to, it's hard to reconcile like where we're, we're totally headed. But I guess, I mean, that's kind of like the golden age of TV filled that void, I guess the last like decade or something as some of that, the movies it- cooled off, but. Yeah, in a way, it was simpler. I hate to use that term because it really wasn't because we were doing so much with such with such little resources and such little yeah. time. But yeah. it, it, back then, when we started, like my career is like very intricate, like timeline wise is intricately like timed with the MCU. Like that summer yeah. I started writing was the summer of the Dark Knight and Iron Man and Incredible Hulk. And you know, as the MCU grew, like that sorted our site, and as we covered everything else around that, like the uh, quote unquote geek stuff became mainstream. And I think we played a huge part in that, right? Um, certainly yeah. in, in the media landscape. Uh, but back then, you got to remember, a movie came out, and it just came out. You saw the movie in theaters, and then eventually came on disc. Now there's more VOD or more direct to DVD sales than ever. But on top of that, there's other platforms now. Like there's the Netflix thing changed everything, obviously. But you have yeah. seven or eight other streamers that are now the home base launching pads for all these other movies and TV shows. None of that existed back then. We had TV and then the, the, the lifeline of films. That was it. Now there's like eight of those, right? <laughs> every month, yeah, yeah. every streaming service plus theaters plus cable TV will have X amount of new releases. So there's exponentially more content now. So, you know, the saturation, it's, it's not, you know, we always talk about, is, is there superhero fatigue? No, I think it's just content fatigue. Like there are so many great shows, I, we can't just keep up. And so yeah. um, if you want to keep up, you have to have the best, 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 best stuff out there. Um, and that's tough to for us to watch and talk about, but just, just to cover that in general, is, it's such a different thing in the last five years versus the five years before that. So, yeah, uh, you know, I don't know, but uh, all this shit ain't changed, you know, shit's still weird. Yep. We were recording a podcast and like, you know, they just said Pedro fucking Pascal's Reed Richards. So, you know, yeah. Just, yeah. You know, I mean, we're no different than when we were just sitting all around talking and arguing and all of a sudden Jesse Eisenberg was Lex Luthor and you're just like, wait, <laughs> yeah. wait, what the-, <laughs> the Pedro Pascal casting might make a little bit more sense though. I, like, though? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. The collective around the interview. Yeah, let's get into it. This is a good place to jump in. Let's talk Marvel. I mean, I think it's weird, man. I I mean, Pedro is the guy who, in the eyes of the internet meme community, is the daddy of whatever meme. Yeah, he's dad right now. He's popular. Everyone, he can do no wrong except he is now becoming oversaturated. And I think I was really bummed how 
not present he was with his role in Star Wars the last two years. Um, So to have him take on another gigantic franchise lead, it's weird to me. Of course he can do it. Of course he's talented. Um, But it it is weird to jump into super popular Pedro right now when he's going to be over 50 by the time they start shooting Fantastic Four. Um, I think think for me this all hinges on – are we getting the maker or not? Like this is yeah. a now fucking pivotal. You want to talk about us geeking out? Like this is now a pivotal fucking question for me. Are we getting the maker or not? If we are getting the maker, Pedro Pascal makes sense to me. Yeah. He's somebody who can, who will be scary almost in, in these two halves, right? <gasps> oh my God. I what if theory. they fucking, <gasps> What if they Pedro Pass call this whole thing for fucking and get Jonathan Majors' ass out here because the fucking maker hijacks this whole thing? Uh, that would be cool. Oh, yeah, the, shit. The Council of Reeds, right? The sort of thing. Um, yes. They, they, could, they could do that. I thought a couple things. One, there's always the, – if you follow the reporting, which we all have, like the, the, the narrative for Fantastic Four is that it's a Sue Storm film. And part of the tricky part of casting Reed was that a lot of the big name actors they were going for didn't want to be second string. They wanted a big payday and they wanted the lead role because they, they thought Reed was the star. But it, I mean, according to who you believe, a Sue might be the star of the film in terms of like screen time and, and importance, right? Um, but leading towards Secret Wars, you have a couple things. You have the maker, which gives you the alternate quote unquote evil version of Reed, but that could potentially be a different actor if they wanted it to be. And certainly, if Secret Wars is happening, that could end with a younger, different Reed Richards as well. So they have a lot of weird plot devices they can play with. It doesn't necessarily mean Pedro has to be Reed for 15 years. It might just be he's Reed for two movies and someone else plays Reed after. Um, it's hard to say how fast and loose are going to play with the casting within the rules of the multiverse, right? So Yeah, I mean, we've already seen another Reed Richards, right? In like yeah, exactly. That's yeah. throughout. It's like, yeah, yeah. That's interesting though. I, yeah, I mean, my initial reaction to this was like the only, this only makes sense if like the human torch is like 10 years old or something and he's got, like he's got to like cart them around just like he did Grogu and, uh, and Bella. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like I like him, I like the, I like the maker idea much better where this is a guy who comes in, kind of establishes this character, does some like kind of interesting subversive stuff with him. And then maybe we get kind of a more, like, but I don't know. I mean, that ends up, that gets into like Snyder cut type approach. Like you're going to introduce <laughs> a popular character and have them be like kind of a darker, more grizzled version of that character only to introduce like a brighter version of the character later on. Um, and how people are going to feel about that. But do you think people like give a fuck about the fantastic four? Like, I feel like we as geeks are all like kind of, who are they going to cast? You know, Oh, is this the right guy? But I don't think like common, I think the like lack of success in those films, bro, difficulty in bringing, we don't, bro, we don't have to do this. We, we, we're, we're not, we're not at our day jobs right now. We don't have to do this. Like <laughs> we, we, we've all been doing this long enough. We, we all know, like, I think in the gen- eye of the general public right now, Marvel, it isn't even a thing anymore. Like yeah. not really across what they did was, and as trust me, as somebody who run, runs the hopefully award-winning comic book nation, I, and, and I get this kind of trying to deliver to all these different lanes can be fucking maddening. And the results are always weird because 
you can have like good minor successes in each of these lanes, but that doesn't necessarily always coalesce into a bigger win. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like it's all in like how your approach is and how you pull it back together is fucking tough. Um, and that's what they did. That's what like Chapek did. And so right now we are still in boat turning time. Right. And Chapek gave everybody their little kind of like representation award. Right. Like, not just along like racial lines or gender gender lines, but also like kind of style lines. Like Moon Knight is kind of like a weird, that's like a weird almost attempt at making like stars version of a Marvel show. You know what I mean? Like with all the kind of like darker elements and weird shit that goes on and hippo and like Egyptian gods. But like, you know, you got Miss Marvel in that representation. You got all these different things that got out to different lanes of people who probably didn't kind of check in to Marvel, but checked in because, Oh, now, yeah, there is a young middle Eastern girl. Who's, who's both a star on and off camera. Who's awesome. And yeah, you know, all doing that, but like, yeah, to the average person, it's not an event thing anymore. Endgame was the end of the event things. Spider-Man was an event because it was three fucking Spider-Man. And they couldn't really, they didn't even have confidence to market that movie on, alone. So they started just fucking telling everybody, hey, there's three fucking Spider-Man in this movie, right? <laughs> right. After they changed the whole movie because they were like, fuck, they realized back then. That should now be everybody's clue. So the next wave of Marvel books was the re-rise of the MCU and everybody writes, right? So yeah, like, yeah. yeah, they realized back at Spider-Man, it's clear now. They were like, fuck, we don't have shit. Like, and this is Spider-Man. We can't fuck around with this. We got to do something. So they fucking changed everything and threw three Spider-Men in there. And then they were like, three Spider-Men. And everybody was like, ah, a billion dollars. And like, that's what they had to do for an event. Otherwise, all of these movies have been like little TV shows, except the fucking funeral that was Black Panther 2, which again, was an event film. Um, You know, so because of this horrible thing that happens. So like, you know, no, Marvel is not an event franchise anymore it's it's still kind of using the branding spin of one but it's not because that's what every fucking new movie commercial keeps trying to tell us just like again the next avengery type thing is about to come and you're like and you go see these movies and you're like that was like an episode of fucking tv like (laughs) there was there was an episode of tv and nothing with any larger consequence so yeah it's like I think Deadpool three is obviously that's going to be an event. Yeah. Like clearly uh, as soon as they tell people Taylor Swift's and that shit, that thing's already going to be on its way. to a Like, yes, I mean, yeah, that's not going to stay a secret. Mark this uh, down. Ben put a time and date code where Kofi said that they're not going to hide Taylor Swift. And that's going to be the Billy, like on the road to a Billy right there. Like 100%. Like, why would you ever at this point? Yeah. I mean, why would you ever at this point? Hide with? I mean, her movie was more popular than half of the movies that were in theaters for like for like a month and a half. So, yeah, I mean, for sure, they're just going to like blow that shit straight out. They. They saw they sort of saw this coming after Endgame. I think they were very worried, which is why. And we've talked about this before. Every like quote unquote character movie became a, a team up. Everything has to be an event. Like Thor has two Thors, and Doctor Strange. It's not just Doctor Strange. It's the multiverse. The Illuminati's there. We're introducing America Chavez. It's everything is crazy now. Like it's all just yeah. character team ups and crossovers, and they're trying to compensate. But like you said, they're they're overspending and not not seeing that return. But before we move on, though, I, did you guys like what do you guys think about the other uh, Fantastic Four castings? There's like um, 
you know, like, uh, what's his face? Joseph Quinn and Vanessa Kirby as Sue and uh, Evan Listen, Moss. Was his thing. Evan Moss, it, those are all really talented. It's a really talented cast. I'm one of these people, like, I get they even tried to throw, like, maybe Javier Bardem is going to be Galactus and shit. You don't – look, man, the Fantastic Four, some shit is just white, guys. Like, uh, some <laughs> stuff is really white, okay? And I don't need the Fantastic Four. I don't want anybody to ever go through what Michael B. Jordan had to go through. Michael B. Jordan's an awesome star in, like, the fact that he had to go through all that and all the burning up jokes and all that shit. Like, we don't need everybody to be, like, recast. And Jessica Al- – I mean, if it's Jessica Alba, like, you know. I mean, come on, but like, yeah, come on, but like, we don't need to do all this. Like just, they can be goofy and white and, and do that. Like, that's how I expect my fantastic four to be, you know what I mean? Like, and so I think it's, I think it's a good cast. I mean, everybody, I, I can't, Vanessa Kirby, if you ever saw like, like her dramatic roles and stuff, like she's a fucking star. So that's good. And I think her and Pedro together are, are actually good. It's just going to be weird hearing them do like American, all American accents, I think. Yeah. It's going to throw me for a minute. Because <laughs> literally like everybody, yeah, everybody on that team that you just mentioned, Rob, is like not American. And it's like the Fantastic Four is just, just like you were saying, it's just like the whitest group of people imaginable in Marvel Comics originally. But um, I like Eben Moss as a thing. Like uh, I can, I can see him being a great Ben Grimm. Yeah. Yeah. I see that too. The, uh, yeah, I mean, Joseph Quinn, like, I mean, obviously after Stranger Things, I think we all wanted to see more of that guy. So, I mean, maybe totally. that'll, you know, I, I don't think that's a bad choice. I would love to see Evan after- Moss and Ruff- Ruffalo as Hulk and thing together. Yeah, that would be very fun. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if Evan Moss is like, take on the thing is very based on his bear character. Oh, yeah. <laughs> bear from Brooklyn, basically. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I would do yeah. I would Uncle do Ben. Uncle instead of cousin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I mean it's funny because like none of these people were the people that were being talked about like a month ago, right? I mean Have we heard a do like a solid Doom Rob? Is there like a solid lead on like any Doom stuff? No, no, there's been no talk about that. But they also uh, some of the earliest reports saying Doom wouldn't even be in this one, but now with all the issues with Jonathan Major and Kang, that's that's when the Doom narrative kind of started, but I haven't heard yeah. any any names associated with that. But uh, It has to be. I mean, at this point, they have to... Dude, I really... I mean, the more I think about it, the more I like your maker idea. That would be pretty, like... I think, Rob, you know, I think they're going to do a combination. I think, me like, they're going to do a combination of things. I'm actually going to dig into this. I'm going to write this shit up when I'm, I'm done, when I get a chance. Um, this is going to be... I, I think they're going to do a combination, right? Like, it's the same idea. You just have an evil read. It's one evil read. It's actually who makes if the maker has his own council of reads and things like that, or even eventually kills them all and takes it all himself. Like I could see that all being him kind of super imposing and wiping out Kang is an easy move he could make, right? That's like uh-huh. an, like kind of just, oh, you thought you were in charge. It's cute. But yeah. you know, sorry like my long descendant you know strangely black descendant and you are out of here um and kind of like yeah or just resets the timeline himself and erases holy shit that'd be even colder like just he just resets the timeline and something and it's just like whoop ooh, kang 
Oh, that yeah. guy never existed anymore. Like just like prunes oh. him from every timeline. That would okay. be. I mean, just Rick and Morty's him. Yeah, if yeah, that's yeah. a recent Rick and Morty. You're reference. getting into some interesting stuff there because uh, that is a neat way to play with a lot of the old Fantastic Four Kang comics lore, where you can just have have that as like one scene where he's jumping through different periods of time and different versions of Kang, and, and you know, collectively wiping that out. But also, that's one way to retcon history for the MCU's sake before they do it again with Secret Wars. The other way is, and you probably heard these rumors too, like with, I think it's, is it Thunderbolts or one of these movies is rumored to introduce Sentry, which is another character that lets them sort of rewrite and retell all of Marvel history as well. So like I, <laughs> they have a lot of weird plot tool, <laughs> plot character devices where they can completely fix their <laughs> real life casting issues, I suppose. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, I, I do love the idea. I think Maker is a no brainer. I, th- I think that's the ultimate villain alongside Doom. Uh, but the question is when, like we haven't even got to secret wars yet. Like how it seems so crazy to fast track these massive storylines. Um, but then again, well, that's not my yeah. job. <laughs> yeah, well, they, I mean, they're all fucked because of the Kang stuff too. Like if they had started building out Reed Richards lore, you know, via Kang or something, even, you know, a year or two ago, it's like they would have that head start. But now, I mean, it could be shocking for the maker to come in and just like, erase Kang from all timelines. Well, yeah, I mean, (laughs) I was saying this on somewhere else. Uh, Oh, I was talking about on, uh, uh, on the poll list, which is our like little comic book show. Anyway, I was saying that uh, it was in the comics. I was talking about Marvel Spider-Man in the comics, but I'm now talking about this on the MCU as well. They need to get dangerous again, man. They need to get like, they need to get weird and they need to get dangerous. Like, yeah, it's a rush. You're under pressure. Kevin Feige needs to put on like his hoodie and his tattered jacket. He needs to cross eight mile again and go back to that old hall where he used to sit there with the, you know, and do the rap battles and shit while he was waiting to get a shot at doing all this. And he needs to remember what it's like to be hungry again. Like, I mean, this man did this because he was like a fan who had to sit in these rooms with these idiots who couldn't make these movies. Right. And he really wanted to get that stuff up there and right. And like, I mean, through sheer will and, you know, failure and revision and struggle like he did it and he created yeah. a wave like you know that end game wave is going to live forever just theaters everywhere you've you're never i wonder if we'll ever see a theatrical experience where like you just see everybody like lose their fucking shit and like in the theater and like in a charge moment i mean i thought braveheart was that shit until like end game right um yeah. but yeah like He's got to get hungry again. You got to get dangerous. You got you can't be this like it's gotten so formulaic and expected. And you're like, we know where everything's going to fall. Like some shocking shit is what we need right about now. That's what makes some fucking Marvel comics stand out and live forever. Yeah. Like those storylines where just shit goes sideways and you didn't see that coming. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's a good. I mean, they started doing it. They started pruning the uh, makers of those gang movies out of here. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a yeah, it was a rough week the last couple of weeks with that stuff. Um, do you guys want to talk about? I mean, that maybe is a good segue into uh, into the Marvels. Yeah, there which- there is one more thing that the big piece of news yesterday also uh, is the destined Daniel Cretton leaving the King Dynasty. Yeah, uh, so and they, yeah. and now it seems like they're ramping up Shang Chi too, which is great because we've all we've always been clamoring for that um, as one of the better releases in the last five years from from Marvel post Endgame, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, that's interesting because it kind of confirms all the theories that they are really truly moving away from Kang and they're probably going to have to retitle that and 
get new writers, a new director, everything. So uh, yeah. maybe this opens up speaking to everything we're saying. Maybe that opens up all this stuff we're talking about with Reed's future and such. So yeah, but yeah, sorry, we can talk about the Loki and the Marvels now. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, let's. Yeah, I mean, you guys are talking about kind of like everything being predictable and everything being kind of you know. Like even in its best form, it's just not as like exciting or quite as uh, impactful as it was. And I mean, that's kind of how I felt about the Marvels. Like, I think like I actually enjoyed that movie. I don't think it's like a bad movie. I we were talking about the power, you know, the power switching being like or not power switching, but I forget what they fucking called it in the movie. But you know, where they're like uh, switching to entanglement yeah. there's been a lot of jada pinkett smith jokes so yeah. I, I remember that one. yeah <laughs> but like yeah the entanglement mechanic kind of being like what the fuck is this we were sort of saying that and i actually kind of dug it like i thought the choreographed fights where they were doing that and when they were you know training i thought that was kind of a cute and clever like little unique mechanic that i hadn't really seen in movies before and that was fun and i mean in general i enjoyed the movie but did i walk out of it thinking like the most exciting thing, I mean, everybody was talking about that post credit scene with, you know, I mean, we're spoilers here. So, like, you know, the post credit scene with, with Beast and everything. But Bro, you, you need to say it. You are only helping this movie's chances by anything you just say right now. Like, <laughs> hold nothing back. Like, tell people anything cool about the Marvels possible. Yeah, well, I mean, so the Kelsey Grammer Beast cameo is cool. But, like, I actually was more excited about the post credit scene with, like, the Young Avengers tease. Like, I thought that was, like... That wasn't even, a, that wasn't even weirdly, not even a post credit scene. That was the end of the movie. So I think yeah, it, it was, was like supposed a, to be. I think it was supposed I to be a post-credits too, post yeah. and nobody was going to stick around. So they, I, yeah. And I was wondering, I, you are the fucking person I thought of, Ben Kendrick, when that scene came on. Because I was wondering, and I also listened to the Midnight Boys a lot. Shout out to the Midnight Boys in the Ringerverse. <laughs> I love that shit. Um, but, um... Yeah, I was thinking of you because I was like, now I want to see if Ben likes this because I have never let it go because I believe it was you and our Man of Steel podcast for Screen Rant Underground who you had a problem with the ending of it with the cape. Was it you? Oh, who had a problem? might have been. It could have been. Yeah, because you were like you were hung up on the fact of how would he know if there was no Superman to put that cape on or, or do or like to do that or what or like what the concept of a superhero was. Right. <laughs> I do think that, like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. You were like yeah. really animate. I remember you and I arguing about that. Um, I weirdly like hold on to just specific arguments from fucking <laughs> decades later. I'm just yeah. like, I'm still stupid about this. Um, but um, in all seriousness, I could, because it was pointed out by other podcasts. I was just like, how would she know what Nick Fury said to Tony Stark in right, that right, right. Yeah. iconic cadence? Even if Kamala Khan was a fan, there are no like Avengers movies. Yeah, um, yeah. And my answer to that is, who gives a fuck? It was awesome. Yeah, like, it was, awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah, fun, no. it was fun, funny. Yeah, the chemistry already like I, like I'm already sold on that. Just seeing the chemistry between Amon Vellani and Haley Steinfeld. Yeah, and like. Yeah, that alone is is just enough for me. Um, yeah. yeah, so but that's like that's like something I you know it's like that feels like a movie that I would it probably isn't an event film but it's something I want to see and like maybe Young Avengers could actually build up to feel like an event film if you get enough people in there that you know would be I mean some of these well known names and also just like characters that are like younger generations are more kind of into like I could still see that it's not Endgame but it could still feel like something special, but 
I don't know. I mean, the rest of the movie it was fine. Like I, but it, it it is indicative of like, does it feel like it's building towards something that's gonna be epic? I don't really think so in this case. I can't really even like. It almost feels like it's more just a sequel to Captain Marvel, which is what it is. And in some ways, maybe that's an unfair bar to put on sequels to say, oh, it's only a sequel to the thing that it's a sequel to. But I don't know. I didn't. <laughs> You know, like, like it is a good sequel to that because at the end of that, she makes a decision that has consequences and, you know, she has to grow as a character to realize that her actions like have negatively impacted these people and stuff like that. But I don't know. I mean, it, it, if we're talking about the state of the MCU right now, and that's kind of why we like slid into this is like, does this film feel like it's building up to the big epic Kang story or the maker coming in and killing Kang and it doesn't, right? No, I mean, let's get into this film. But um, I will say before I forget, like, it's also weird that like that X Men scene had quite possibly the greatest acting I've ever seen in a post credit scene. As like, Tayona Paris is like in a completely different movie in that scene. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Yes, and like she nailed that scene when she wakes up and she like sees her mom and like just like loses her mind and is like trying to see. As like you know. That's like a as a middle aged person like stuck between like having aging parents and raising young kids like that. I was like, God damn! I was like, this is so heavy for a fucking post credit scene. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh no, it's just it is crazy cosplay binary costume. Oh shit! Yeah. And there's beast. And yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, what the fuck? What is happening? Yeah, it was. Um, it, it actually looked like an X Men film too. Like the way, obviously, yeah. the the room they're in feels, but the way they shot it too. It the tonally, it actually felt like I was in X Men one or two, which is yeah. the most impressive part to me. And the Beast CGI was actually a good way to keep Kelsey Grammer involved too. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was. Uh, they got to get the rendering down a little bit, as always. Yeah. But like as a beginning, like he looked a little bit like Poochie at the end of the Simpsons there when uh, <laughs> he walked out of the room. Oh, also shout out to shout out to I forget which commenter it was who listens to this and pointed out that no, let's just set the record straight. I did not invent the phrase dump truck full of money. When I was a kid, I used to just have to record. My parents would only let me watch The Simpsons as like the only TV I could watch during the week. A lot of the time they would give me time in my room to watch videotapes like because they only gave me a like a TV and a tape player. I'm showing you how old I am. So I would record multiple Simpsons episodes on tapes and you could only hold like if you wanted good quality, you could only hold what, like four of them if you could wanted medium, like six. And if you wanted, that's it. Quality. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so like, yeah, I, there's just certain episodes from seasons, I think like three through six that I've seen so many times that I just forgot that that line from Krusty the Clown is in Camp Krusty. And he's talking about the conditions about and Bart asked him, like, why did you let the camp turn to shit? I went back and watched this and like, he's just like, yeah, you can't say no when they pull up a dump truck full of money to your house. And I was just like, holy shit. Yeah. So that just lived in my head forever until we were having that argument about Christian Bale one day. And I just like screamed that no, out. I, you got to take you more know? credit than that, man. You mainstreamed that and brought it back like 15 years later. <laughs> So yeah, I know, but it, it was from the Simpsons. I'm a big believer in credit where credits do, and the I Simpsons did that. that. Um, but yeah, no, I did apply it to Hollywood and and just this concept of getting people back in big franchises, which is <laughs> I'm glad we still say that. It's just I mean, it's just a great phrase. And shout out yeah. to the writers of the Simpsons. But um, I got that off my chest. Yeah, I felt really bad about that. And that commenter was so nice too. He was yeah. just like, 
He was like, hey, like guys, I, I, I love our I, – like Rob said in the beginning of this, like I love our fans. Like they, they do – like the original screen ran long-running fans are always like the, the smartest, best. most like kind of respectful people. I like you guys are the yeah. best. Yeah, for sure. The uh, What did you guys think of just the film overall? I mean, we kind of focus on these last two things a bit. I mean, did oh. you guys end up enjoying it or did you – I mean, it made yeah. absolutely no money at the box office. No, and I get why. Like uh... – for, to, to, to mirror what you're saying, I actually did kind of enjoy it. I, I do think what it has a rough start, obviously, to me. Like the big the first half of the first act is like they are scrambling to remind viewers where each of these three characters come from, and it's like yeah. whiplash jumping from character to character to character. And within that, you have Carol like, looking at her past, that weird plot device she's wearing on her head, the memory machine, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. So it's it was very rough. But the moment they do the gimmick with the the entanglement and the power switching and the music kicks in is a kind of a fun action scene between Miss Marvel's family in the house and up with Dick Fury in the station and all the and, yeah. and the the fight with the Kree at the same time with the, the music it really makes it work. And some of the action is really good despite the awful actors they have playing the Kree characters. Like it, it's actually quite fun. And that's kind of when the fun kicks in and I compare it a little bit to like the, the to like Ant-Man two and three where like, you just can't think about it too much, but you can have a fun time there. Um, And to be honest, like to give it more props, like the stuff I was really worried about from a surface level going into this was like the marketing of the flurkins and the goose, the cat. Like I didn't love that stuff, but in this movie, I actually thought it was kind of fun what they ended up doing with that. And they ended up giving some good laughs, like genuine laughs for the audience and the musical planet they go to, which also to me screamed, Oh my God, what a weird gimmick that ended up being really funny and fun as well. Like I thought that was kind of neat bathroom during that. I saw it come in and I was just like, Ooh, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> it was, it was so funny. Cause like at the end of the musical song and I was like, man, that was a really good trip to the bathroom. Oh no, no, no. It was actually kind of fun. Cause they're walking in there and like, you know, uh, it's Tayana and Amon or like the audience, vessel here so like we are like they are as shocked and as confused by what's going on as we the audience are and then when carol just breaks out and becomes like essentially a disney prince princess for a moment it's actually kind of funny it's so unexpected and they lean into it so hard and let her like play it like and chew up the scenery there so like these things i thought would have been terrible they actually like kind of pulled through um but uh yeah, also, obviously, I like them giving Carol Danvers finally some, like, some real time and some real weight and gravitas and, like, give her, you know, try to explain a little bit why she hasn't come back. Although, of course, it is muddied by a weird intro. Um, Can why, we talk about that for a second? Yeah, well, one more thing, one more thing. It's muddy. The, the big the big miss for me is how they completely just ignore Secret Invasion. Um Ugh, that's I just wrote irreparable that. Damage. One of our most popular articles right now is me. <laughs> the Marvels make Secret Invasion even more pointless. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you're right. It's just, because I mean, I just break it down. Like, yeah, it's it sucks. Like, I think it invalidates the entire, like, Disney Plus. Oh, did I cut out? Um, no, I think there. it invalidates the entire, like, Disney Plus kind of Marvel movie relationship system. Yeah. Like, any of that shit's valid anymore. Like, it's clear between what was done between WandaVision and Doctor Strange 2 and now this, it's like, this shit doesn't matter. Like, Falcon well, Soldier only matters because we know where that white suit came from. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. But, but, but even in this movie, though, it's weird because like, the Miss Marvel and her family stuff does matter. Like that and the bangles, like that obviously was essential to this plot. And meeting uh, Rambeau or Tiana Paris's character, 
her transformation in WandaVision led to this moment as well, sort of, and the blip she also experienced too in, in her back the one story she got the background story in in uh, one division as well they explain that so like, those things they pull in and, and embrace and even have flashbacks to it then you have secret invasion which is the most game-changing show there was because it fundamentally changed the landscape of what we know about politics on earth right like it has started like at the end of that show there's like rebellion in the streets and news reports of people being killed and there's a million secret shapeshifters on earth and all of a sudden it's like oh no ignore that just like you can ignore that giant eternal sticking out of the fucking earth um well that's the whole thing though like there it's just like it's the shit they've been pulling since the end of iron man 3 and then avengers 2 right where tony stark has this big epiphany where he's like i don't need suits i'm tony stark and then the next time we see him he's just like yeah i've been flying around the world in these suits (laughs) yeah i got so many suits (laughs) yeah like okay um but like like nothing is connecting and nothing matters anymore like the quantum band all how many fucking go on screen ran and go google how many goddamn quantum band articles you guys have i could tell you how many we have it's like a million like (laughs) and what ends up happening is they're like yes the bands are together and it essentially just becomes a MacGuffin that kamala khan has to like the big hero of this movie for most of the first two acts is a sleeve of her coat that just is keeping that bangle covered. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just like, there's the fucking hero, bro. But like, yeah, like even getting the quantum band, Quasar, like none of that shit fucking matters. We have no idea what these bands are still. We have no idea why there's rings in them, or those rings are like the 10 rings, why they're like Kang's rings. We fucking, like all this other shit, we, fo- like uh, Monica Rambo has like done crazy shit where she's stitching together dimensions with her powers. And we're like, when the fuck did you learn? Like, we barely saw you walk through a force field and could see light. And it's like, now you're fucking stitching together the multiverse. And it's like, none of this shit is actually filled in. Like, it's just so loosely together. And the Marvel Cosmos is the worst fucking concept. Like, the MCU Cosmos doesn't make any goddamn sense whatsoever. They really fucked it. And uh, yeah. This whole movie, just one scene. I don't even know how Secret Invasion, how they released this shit with a straight face like we couldn't remember that Secret Invasion is based on the idea that these scrolls have been stuck on Earth for 30 years. They called other people there because Carol Danvers and Nick Fury fucked it all and didn't give them a place to live. And meanwhile, there's been like scroll settlements across the cosmos negotiating fucking their own like relocation shit it's like well it wasn't like i was excited to see valkyrie back like when she says oh i'm gonna call a friend i thought for sure that was gonna be gaia right because like why like that would have been a way for like oh you have all these scrolls that need a place to live now all right well let's get like gaia to integrate them into into earth life or something like that you know like it doesn't it's Gaia, so, we might never ever see Gaia again. Yeah, we're never gonna see Gaia again because she's like, if she is, she'll kill everybody. Like she's oh my god, yeah. she's all these people. Like <laughs> it's so dumb. It's so dumb. In uh, an interview, some random interview somewhere, Olivia Coleman's gonna make a joke in like a year that oh, you know, uh, what's her character's name? Just Sonia just took her out and put a balloon in her back as soon as they got in the car or something. Like yeah, that. I'm kidding. And then it'll be like, oh my god! I mean, it'll be great traffic day, but like you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Unless we get, uh, I could see some like movie like 
a future Captain America story involving the British version of that, and they just like show up as cameos or something. But I don't think yeah. they deserve any sort of real show or movie beyond that. But yeah, to, to your point, I, I am still upset with the Marvel Cosmic, even with Guardians Three, which is a genuinely good movie. It's just because it was so self-contained in its trilogy, it did nothing to expand the Marvel Cosmic and give, shine a light on anything that's going on out there. Even though we're fifteen years and thirty-three movies into the MCU, there's still no real semblance or understanding of what the Marvel Cosmic even is. I hope that changes soon. Or even but the goddamn movie, shape of it. Yeah, and yeah. Like, obviously they just tell us, oh yeah, Xander got blown up as like a line of dialogue at the beginning of Infinity War. And now in this movie, you're like, oh yeah, Kree, the whole planet's fucked. They can't even breathe over there. It's like, what, what, what do you mean? Like, where are these stories? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? Like, and there's a big galactic war and it's like, okay, uh, maybe at some point they'll do that in phase eight or whatever. But I am really, this movie, another problem, like beyond... A, confusingly cherry picking which parts are canon from Disney plus shows uh, in the awkward intro. I think the title of the film is bad. Calling it the Marvels is just terrible branding. It's very confusing. Marvel studios is the Marvels. It's just awful, awful marketing material. They should have just yeah. called it Captain Marvel two or Captain Marvel subtitle something. I, I don't know. Like it's just marketing one-on-one um, or give it a totally different name. I don't know. Uh, and then uh, I really don't like this, this, how they're leaning on MacGuffins, which don't make any sense. And it's not just the bands that two characters have now. They just introduced the second one on some random planet with it all. By the way, we didn't talk about this yet, but the villain, super forgettable, a mega downgrade from Ronan, who was also not that great to begin with. But they also give her another major thing from the comics, the the universal weapon, that big hammer she has, which is, it looks like it has a power stone in it, but it, it doesn't. Um, I, I almost thought she was coming from a different dimension and had a power stone in it when they first introduced her character, but I was so confused. Uh, but they, they got to stop like throwing all these, every movie has just a random artifact they find that just changes everything. They played that game with the infinity stones. Like we, we got to move past that now, or if you're going to do something that's very important, you got to tell a story that really leans into that. And even in Shang-Chi, same thing at the end of that movie with, with the credits they're like oh yeah these 10 rings they're sending out a signal to the cosmos and it's like nobody fucking likes this this is not good <laughs> like storytelling this is not how you plan see that that is not exciting what we just want to see is what shang chi and his sisters doing next like just give us the story not five years of waiting for what the rings are going to do because nobody cares and all of these fucking movies keep doing this and i really hope they just get past the multiverse shit forget the scrolls and stop relying on these fucking artifacts and just give us character stories again that's what they need to do and i really hope secret invasion not sorry secret wars lets us do that when you have every character who's alive every actor can just go in there let them do their thing and just keep it simple after that it's too much I cannot handle it. <laughs> I'm, this is the fatigue I feel when we talk about the superhero genre. It's just yeah. I think I think it was like Grace Randolph or somebody ran a poll, and I don't agree with the results. I think people are more sick of multiversal shit than than yeah. we can stick at. Like, yeah, I think people it's, are so done. And it's like these movies. We still. It's like oh well, check the calendar. We still got four more years of that. We still got a whole ugh. college runs worth of multiverse stories to get through before. We are done with this. But after it's done, like, yeah, let's close the multiversal door on multiversal stories. Like, it was cute when Rick and Morty did it. It was even cute when, like, something like Insidious did some weird multiverse shit, like, with its story. But, like, it's it's not cute anymore. Like, at this point, it, it, it kind of sucks. But, like, at this point, 
By the time we get through like Deadpool three, which will be it's like I think might just be the pinnacle of this kind of like multiverse cameo shit. Yeah, like yeah. Secret Wars doesn't even feel like it'll be exciting. It'll be like oh, in twenty twenty seven, people will be like oh, we're doing this again. Like we're bringing well, everybody I, I, and like okay, I guess I, like I think everything you've seen. Everything we've seen so far, including Doctor Strange, the Multiverse Madness, are like teasers. And then I think the end of this movie, the Marvels, like really shows you, oh yeah, full on X Men universe. We know we know how this happens and how to cross the borders. And we now we know what these some sort of explanation for what these incursions or cosmic fault lines can be. With like, <laughs> we didn't talk about that either. Like how they handle how they figure out space travel now is like these jump gates are defined by the quantum bands, I guess, which is such a silly thing. Um, yeah. But then the Deadpool is like, like you said, it is the pinnacle. It is like the real, like, okay, we're embracing this jumping through universes to get characters. And the Secret Wars is like, okay, here's everything from the multiverse, and we're going to bring it all together on one battle world or whatever. And then at the end of that, we'll cherry pick all the actors we want to keep and then reset all the mainstays. So you, you can finally have whoever Reed Richards is going to be. You'll have a new Tony Stark. You have a, you'll, it'll they'll clearly define which Spider Man is going to be Spider Man. You know what I mean? And then that will be like the one universe going forward. And, uh, if they if they follow the Hickman Secret Wars two type stuff, right? That's how they could cl- cleanly sort of reset. Come twenty, I don't know what year that's going to even come out at this point. Five years from now, whatever. Um, yeah. And then they can start fresh again, sort of like a new new phase one. You know? Did you? So we got to move on to Loki really quick because we still want to do like a quick shout out to the the Hunger yeah. Games prequel. But um, did you guys like like the movie though? Did you enjoy it? I felt like I enjoyed it though. Like I enjoyed the chemistry between them, and I like I had yeah, it, a lot of fun. I'm not going to rewatch anytime soon, but I thought it was like I thought it was fun. I think I think this will be one of my more rewatchable Marvel movies. Ironically, yeah. I think it's fun. Um, I wanted to just say real quick. I feel like that 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 this got hacked up in an edited room. I think it's obvious all over the movie. Um, I feel like that yeah. whole sequence with Carol was an actual sequence, not yeah. some weird like hacked up flashback thing. I think yeah. that was a kind of at one point, like her going to Hala and doing that. Yeah. Was like, and I think that was a crucial part of the movie. I don't think you should have cut that. Yeah. Again, it was too dark and too confusing to see your hero wipe out a planet um, <laughs> in full drama. But like, it, it was crucial to that yeah, character and like too. where we are. In it. And I think they fucked kind of fucked it, taking that out. But um, yeah, no, it's I, the next day after I saw it, like my brother took my son and his two his two little girls to see it. They loved it. And they all loved it. It's going to be, and my son came home asking me about Ms. Marvel. Like, I think he has a little crush. So he's, yeah, you know, it's, it, it did a good job. And the three leads, and I came out and that was my quote. And I hope it ends up somewhere. Like, this is like one of Marvel's more fun kind of lead ensemble team ups we've seen in a while. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. And, and and I think, as Rob pointed out, like there's a lot of credit due to Nia DaCosta and the team on this because what they tried to bite off is not fucking easy. And look, by the end, they were just like, fuck it. Just run off, run from this side of the camera into the scene. Like, but the <laughs> teleportation entanglement shit, that's not easy to do. Like those edits and keeping track of that, I know they lost their minds trying to make that movie and do fucking dailies and just remembering who was where like in what state, like in, and what the fuck is going on in each sequence? Like that's just not easy. And they all deserve a lot of credit for pulling together. And for the most part, it looked pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, 
it's also a complicated scene just because you have like the parents in one of the scenes like reacting to it all, and it's like it's <laughs> are, it's, you know, those it's really well done. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's something that the brother says at one point that like had me on the floor. <laughs> or he was just saying, oh, like it was when the dad's trying to sell like the guy like IRAs or some shit and his brother says something to him. Like, yeah, the family is great. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah they did a good job balancing that. I, I, I think I agree with you guys. I think, it's, I think it's a totally fun watch. I sort of preface it by saying I, I do think it's kind of important to, to understand or see, you know, WandaVision and Miss Marvel. And if, but if you're, if you're kind of locked into that and you've been following along, I think this is an easy recommendation. And I also say this, I thought this movie looked great on the big screen. I saw it in like a premium format with 3d and I didn't even know it was going to be in 3d. And those, those, the effects, uh, in the, in the wide shots, the cosmic shots and all like the, the landscapes and really cool landscapes. Like it looked really good. They did a good job with the, I'm assuming post conversion on, on those sequences. Cause there's obviously loads of CGI, but, the quality was there on the, on the most of those visuals. I like that. There's only one scene that I thought would look bad. It was when they land in that field of corn or whatever it is, like that crops. Oh, crosslands. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're talking in front of the ship in the background. And it just looks like, holy shit. Like it looks like last week they shot it in front of a green screen and just like <laughs> used AI to fill in the background or something. It was really rough, but the rest of the film was kind of quality. And yeah, it is three fun leads. You kind of get their due a little bit. And, uh, but yeah, if you're thinking about story and lore and where it connects to, the, the before and after. I mean, it's 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 just ridiculous, and the villain is completely forgettable, which is uh, a waste of a talented actor. That's a good segue because I want to talk about that because that I, that's one thing I didn't like. I, I feel like this who got screwed in this is Zawe Ashton, yeah, yeah, who's like a really great actress and is the partner of fucking Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, either is his baby's mom already or expecting right now. I forget where we're at, but like. Yeah, so that was kind of a funny split, right? Last week yeah. in that household, talk about <laughs> awkward. Like, yeah, she's just being called a forgettable villain. And to be fair, like I said, and I stand by it. Like, I walked out of that movie and I had to go look up her name, like as the character's name, because I couldn't even tell. Yeah, you. I keep forgetting too. It's like Dar Darben, Darben. Darben, yeah, Darben. Yeah. In the comic, she was like a man, right? And it's like still yeah. relatively like in, small. in like one yeah. comic. Yeah, like yeah. they're pulling really a lot of this shit from just really like, obscure villain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. These are people like we're now picking like Marvel characters, not even villains. They're just taking names from people who don't even have wikis, so people can't theorize or do shit. <laughs> yeah, well, and people that they're not going to do anything with that character, right? Like yeah. you're just like who's a character that like no one's going to have any expectations for, and just like we don't even know if we really give a shit about this. So, I mean, that's how it felt at least with that character. Yeah, no, it was. It was a one-off, but uh, I mean, talk about awkward. She's a very talented actress, and it's just like the same week that Tom Hiddleston's getting all the praise in the world for this Loki finale. Like she's just getting shit on for doing her job in the Marvels. Yeah. So let's talk about why Tom Hiddleston's getting all that praise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Loki finale. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was really good. I thought it was really well done. I fell asleep the first time. It. it I, I was. I think I was watching it at night. That's no insult. I was just tired. And it was like a lot to take in. My brain yeah. couldn't handle it that late. I was just like, oh, this is going to be like, I kept nodding off on conversations and waking up and being like, wait, what the fuck is happening now? Yeah. Um, and so I had to kind of like, yeah, get up the next morning fresh and really put my brain to it. But great story. I mean, it, it is one of, I think, by far the strongest single pieces of Marvel Cinematic Universe content I've ever seen. In yeah. terms of like just telling like a mature, like Rob's always saying, like a premium content level 
Like I could have, that could have been a night of HBO for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, for sure. And then like, that's the most I have to say about it. And you know, the, obviously the editing was very well done using old sequences and footage and all that stuff. See, I said footage, everybody chill out. I still think it should be footage, especially now since we like really are just using a lot of moving digital pictures. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, so they did a really good job with that. But the acting like Tom Hiddleston, even Jonathan Majors in kind of pulling everything together with the even he who remains mocking his Victor Timely and and kind of a meta fun of that. And, you know, all of the things with Sylvie and bringing that all full circle and making all one big fucking story between the two seasons, like very well done and some really powerful moments in there that actually like got real emotion out of me. Like yeah. Mobius's ending is like one of the best, you know, character endings I've seen in one of these things when it's just like that line is just both devastating and kind of like hopeful at the same time. Right. Where he's yeah. just like watching these kids. And he's like, I'm just going to stay here and kind of let time pass. And you're just like, Holy shit. That's fucking nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought, I thought it was cool too. Like when they get the, they get the moment where it's like you, you know, you should only do this one thing unless you should only destroy something unless you can replace it with something better. And then he like replaces it with like Idrisil, the world tree, basically. Like I thought that was such a cool, it wasn't until like, you know, they really like flip the image in the TVA that you realize like that's what he did is he like rebuilt, you know, the world tree. And that that was like, it was a really neat way of sort of like giving Sylvie sort of like, like a seed planting a seed in his mind that, that sort of like led to this ultimate like kind of sacrifice that he makes where he like saves his friends by giving up his friends and being, you know, just sort of like being in isolation and everything. But they also just like set that dude on the side so that they can like pull Loki back out again now though. And either for another series or for, uh, you know, for secret wars or something. I'm very curious to see. Cause I mean, he's just like, he's literally just sitting on the sidelines right now, like ready to do something else. But but yeah, I mean, this is my Andor for like MCU Disney Plus shows for sure. Yes. I think this show is like head and tails above like everything else they've done in terms of like maybe, you know, like I love Miss Marvel. I love some of those, like some of the more like kind of fun little sort of like one off shows. But as far as like having like real kind of emotional stakes and and doing something kind of, I think, ambitious, this feels more in the Andor vein than the majority of what we're getting on Disney Plus. It's it's hard to compare to Miss Marvel because you know I love Aman, I love the characters and family stuff and the yeah. first three episodes. But then you got to remember, like the one episode they have a flashback and there's an episode about the villains and it's like genuinely bad. Like yeah, so it's yeah, hard it's to compare. Really Whereas Loki, when we first saw the screeners for the first four, I remember tweeting this and writing about it. I said like this has the potential to be the, the fine that like, the first like truly great through and through Marvel series if they pull the landing. And I'm I'm someone who did not necessarily love the first season. I had some issues with some of the story stuff they did and character stuff and yeah. some elements felt rushed and, you know, it was quality, but it wasn't, I didn't, it didn't sell me this one. The first four I was totally in for. And I loved like the, when you really break it down, it's like you have a group of like six, seven characters as an ensemble. And there's really like four main sets with a few extra on location stuff when they do time travel. And it's like, it felt like Marvel severance in a way. I always make that comparison. Um, Cause it's just like that. These actors act in real places, let them do their thing. Cause they let them just carry this with dialogue and emotion. And cause there's such a talented group with some smart writing. And then the final two episodes, like just take that to the nth degree. And it's like, I'm so in love with it. And I made the same comparison as you, Ben, this is 
Marvel's version of Andor. It is like, for me, hands down, the best Marvel Disney Plus show, the first truly great prestige or premium show they have. That to me is award worthy. Um, and it's the same thing. Like the, the and and to all the credit due to Tom Hiddleston, who served on the story side, he served as a producer, and he is in ninety eight percent of the scenes just ripping it up like it and the amount of emotion and weight he brought to those moments in the final episodes and like him learning to time slip and then him doing it and him making the sacrifice play like what powerful scenes of him walking down the runway to turn the machine and and, and make that choice to 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 to, to like service his selfish need to be to be loved to protect people he loved he finally that thing finally clicked in his head, and and I love like the visual. That's another thing too, like the visual effects of how they handle like the the branches of the timeline was so well done, and the way they yeah. observe it and the observation decks and see the lights of the windows, it's so pretty. It all looked so great. Same, the same thing when they're doing the spaghettification of different worlds and people. Like <laughs> those effects look really fucking cool, and the yeah. way they move the camera around and slow down time, like it was so impressive. By, especially with Marvel standards lately, to have something that looks so visually clean and like like how they must have conceptualized that. And I'm very curious to see what like the storyboards look like for this show. Holy shit. Like amazing visuals. And then of course, like the powerful moment when he, when he all the green energy, he brings to life all the branches again and, and becomes, for the first time, he becomes a true Marvel god. And I love that. Whether he's the god of stories or the god, the god of the multiverse, whatever, we asked the writer about that, and he's like, "Yeah, he's kind of this, he's kind of that." But, um, and but the look on Hiddleston's face when he's on that throne—he finally has a throne of meaning. He's found his purpose. Like, it's such a brilliant fucking ending uh, of all the Marvel shows. I'm glad this is the one that got the season two, obviously. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, the more I think about it right now, and the way I've thought about it over the last week, I I'm so in love with it, and I appreciate it so much. It's so impressive what they did, uh, and part of me is like i i want to see more do loki season three but the other part of it's like no man that's perfect like let him just do that for a while in the background so yeah um, yeah fucking hats off to them awesome show stuck the landing on that one um okay all right well you guys want to jump over just quick quick do a little preview of the hunger games and then we'll tell me about rachel zegler you want to start coke here you want me to fucking star yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that girl's a fucking star, bro. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I have not seen West Side Story, and I didn't see what was he? Oh, I did see Shazam too. I mean, she she held down her part. I mean, you know, but goddamn. Yeah, I mean, she's wasted in Shazam too. I mean, but yeah, like, and she but she was up there with Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu. So like, and she still yeah. held her own. So that's good. Yeah. But no, I mean, this movie proves that girl's a fucking star, bro. Like she really yeah. is. Um, and Tom Blythe is is the only reason this movie really works. Yeah, like it really is. He really is the reason. I mean, credit to Suzanne Collins and credit to Francis Lawrence, who's a really good director. Uh, and this movie is kind of like perfect for him because this is. And I told the publicist after, like, this is like Hunger Games for the people who read Hunger Games and as YA kids, but then are now older. Yeah, like yeah. this is a much more mature story. It's a like much more kind of complexly layered story uh it goes on much longer than i thought i did not know it was like two hours and 20 odd minutes that's crazy man that's the end of the second act feels like the end of the movie and then it's like it's like an epilogue and it's like oh no this is the third act yeah i was like oh man they're doing a good job setting this up for a sequel and i was like oh no this is a whole story this is gonna be a whole ass movie like okay this is a serious drama and it is and i knew going in because i knew the loose plot of the book 
like at least the the movements of it. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that was my big worry. I was like, I don't know if people are used to like a movie where the actual Hunger Games aren't the fucking culminating part of the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. got it in Mockingjay, and it and it didn't really hit as well. Yeah. Um, but no, there's a whole ass story to this, and how they pull off the third act is everything, and it comes close to feeling like it's going to fall apart. But fucking they they thread the needle to make it work, yeah, and to really kind of do really well with people fucked up in the 2000s, which was trying to explain away villains, yeah, and like why they are the way they are. This does what I love prequels to do. And like, God willing, if I ever launch my own series of stories that I've been working on forever, like what prequels should do is they, they really fuck with you about what you think, you know, about these characters. Right. Yeah. And even yeah. some of you think, you know, like president snow, who's so horrible in the hunger games, this does the job of making you be like, this guy is like, he was a more complex guy without ever making you, side with him and go back to hunger games and be like oh he's not so bad yeah 100 yeah, yeah and they do a good job of actually having a story about a guy who discovers that he is the fucking villain like he is that guy <laughs> yeah um and they do it pretty deftly and uh yeah and rachel zegler is so good about kind of playing this kind of girl who's sweet and charming but also very kind of smart and savvy and knows people and kind of how to read people and you know the ending is kind of ambiguous and is going to be talked about but um yeah they did a good job it made me appreciate being in the hunger games universe again yeah i think that was the that was my major takeaway from it and you know we did like we don't I mean, people are going to go see this movie. We don't want to spoil a whole bunch of stuff here, but like, like the, I, I, I was just kind of really pleasantly surprised by how excited I was to return to this world and like the districts and sort of realizing again, how much of this story was just told kind of in the capital via the hunger games. And it's like, each of these districts is so distinct and there's so many different things that you could do within this, sort of dystopian setup that I would love to see more stories, even ones that where it's not president snow that we're following, but just maybe some story about a rebellion that takes off in the middle of one of the random districts, you know, like 20 years after this or something like that. Like I, I could see those things if, if they were in the hands of a competent director and a good storyteller being really rewarding and really interesting sort of sub micro stories in the larger this larger universe. But yeah, I mean, outside of that, Rachel Ziegler is just like amazing. And it genuinely like really sells, especially in that third act, I'd say like kind of sells some of the ambiguity of what, where the film sort of ends up that, I mean, Kofi and I are trying to talk around kind of what happens there, but, but I, if you are left at one point in the, in the third act to kind of, I think be questioning a little bit like what is going on and whether everything that snow thinks he knows is what he actually knows. And I think she does a perfect job of like balancing her role in that ambiguity a little bit. And um, the, yeah, this film more than any other, cause it was kind of simplified because you know, Woody Harrelson's character in that whole relationship between a mentor and a tribute in the first one was, you know, he had been in the hunger games. He was all shell shocked. 
Yeah, but he yeah. sympathized with Katniss, and and he was like a friend to her. This movie makes it like much more clear, like that's unusual in what the trickiness of the mentor kind of tribute relationship in what that is. Yeah. And like what it means and, and, and like the ultimate, and like I said, it's hard to spoil a bit, but this, this does deliver because there are like speeches in the end, you know, there are monologues, but it brings it to a thematic point about like, there's a question at the beginning, like what are the hunger games and like, why do we play them? And yeah where they bring that around, it actually makes sense in the context of the film and for the characters and especially for like her character about yeah. like, you know, when are you playing games and like, what is it to, to, to do this and play this game and, and have to do this and you know, where does it end and where does it begin and all that stuff. And they yeah. do a really good job with that. Yeah. And there's some fun, like kind of, if people like stories, I think one of the fun things about prequels, and this is one of the things that maybe the Star Wars prequels did like poorly, is like in the Star Wars prequels, it's like almost all the technology and everything like looked even better than it was in the original trilogy. Yeah. And like, you know, it's like you're going back into the past, but like the technology is actually more efficient and cooler mm -hmm. and stuff like that. In this one, like, you know, they're using like, I forget what you, but it's like tube televisions and shit. It feels like it's like, you know, you really do see how the, the modern version of the hunger games with this crazy arena that's like morphing and changing and all these like hybrid monster creatures and stuff. You start to see like where that takes shape. Like all of that wasn't there at the beginning. And we kind of find out that some of these things are like president snow's ideas about like long before he was president snow, because he's kind of like trying to actually like help his, you know, his tribute. And so he like institutes these new ideas and then you kind of see how those are like manipulated over time and, and evolved. Into yeah. Things like that. yeah. And like, there's some really fun, like subversive stuff with like what they do with, Oh, you're sending your tribute, a gift in the, in the arena. It's like, they do some kind of actually like funny things with that, that I don't think people are like expecting because it's sort of the beta version of all of that. And it doesn't exactly go the way that you sort of expect it to. But yeah, that, that for me was one of the things that I really liked was seeing they did a, such a good job of re like really sketching out what in what this time period looked like, because you get to see during the war in these scenes and it's pretty horrifying, like when you kind of see like what it was during the Civil War. And then yeah. you see now where it's 10 years of Hunger Games. This is the 10th one, right? Yeah. But you begin to realize to your horror that like, yeah, in the early days, they literally just sent kids into a room, like a gymnasium <laughs> with a bunch of weapons in the middle. And they were like, all right, have at it. And that's yeah. what it was. And yeah. this one has like in the arena. And this one is like half the fun of seeing that sequence is just realizing it's literally like a gymnasium with a couple doors and, and tunnels, like kind of sketched out in it for them to run through and do stuff. But that's the level they're at right now. Yeah. And, yeah, the kind of technology they have is funny. And and it is an earlier version of this weird stuff we saw in the originals. And it's and they did that so well. Yeah, because they have like, you know, these are Flickerman in the later movies and stuff. And in this, you have Lucky Flickerman, who is like, you know, I guess presumably like really like related to him or something like that, maybe. But but it's like he's the first TV show host of The Hunger Games. And it's like this really early version of him where he, or this this concept where he's like a weatherman that they just like pulled to basically, you know, like be the narrator of the hunger games or the MC of the hunger games. And it's, uh, 
it's just it's yeah, good. They do that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I mean Jason Schwartzman is just really fun in that role. Oh yeah, no, he's great, and um, it, it is funny the way they do that kind of whole meta level because there is always a meta level of this being spectacle that's being watched and commentary on us watching kind of increasingly brutal stuff as part of this whole stories matrix, and. Yeah, he's, it's, there's a lot of funny parts because they don't have the broadcast mechanics. For all of us who do the jobs we do, it's like funny to see kind of like studio mechanics. They don't have the beats down. Yeah. Like when Trudy's die, kids are like, so there's a moment where like Trudy dies and one of the people, one of the mentors like pukes on the floor. And he's like, what are you doing? He's like, get off camera. Like, <laughs> so what do you do? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. It's, it's so like, yeah, it's fun. And um, yeah, it's just like a real whole ass movie. And Francis Lawrence is only getting better with time. And I hope he gets to do that Constantine sequel because that shit feels oh, like yeah. it's, like awesome. it's so, the top of the game. It's right so weird now. because like this film is like not. I mean, it's it's fresh right now on Rotten Tomatoes, but barely. But I mean, this film for me, this was probably the best Hunger Games film since Catching Fire. I'd say. Oh yeah, like easily. It, it it really is, and it's and like I said, it's it's a, it's not even like I think a lot of people are getting down on it because it's not like a YA hunger games film where the, yeah, where the yeah, main yeah. thing is watching these kids fight to the death is the point of the spectacle. It's like, it's a whole ass kind of deep novel. This, and I heard people who read the book in the theater. I was listening. Like they took this entire book and really made it. They didn't, they didn't skim it down that much. Like the full complex, like the full complexity of, of a novel is what you're watching in this movie. And, yeah. it, and it works dude. Yeah. Yeah, it does feel much more like an actual like novel adaptation. Like because yeah. of that third act, it it is kind of it has the pacing of a book more than it. You're totally yeah. right about. Oh yeah, there is no like big culminating battle, and in our Marvel kind of saturated minds, that's that's hard to take. The end of this movie is all about you know the aftermath of in the first Hunger Games movie to really do this is like what's it like in the aftermath of that battle, and like what does it cost, and and kind of what happens in, in, in an interesting way when you have to shift from the delights of the capital and go back into the districts afterwards. Yeah, that's it. And yeah. like, what is life like there? And, and, you know, what are the ramifications of that? And that has impact on Cornelius Snow. Like he knows this stuff and that's, you know, firsthand, you know what I mean? Like he, yeah. you learn how much he saw and how much he understood and I think the movie even ends on one of his quotes of Donald Sutherland from the hunger games. And that shit hit so much different by the end. you're like, Whoa. Yeah. yeah. You're like, Oh, I get the, yeah. The other, the other person that we have to call out really quick and then we can wrap up because I know we're all trying to get out of here is, uh, Viola Davis may have <laughs> fucking craziest role she's ever had in this movie. Oh, like, that lady's like, just eating. So like, fun. yeah, she's always so much fun. It's great. God damn. I love her. Cause Hollywood yeah. did not do shit for her as a dark skinned black woman. And she has just learned to eat and yeah. have fun doing it. Um, this was no, I mean, she was also really crazy in that. What was one of Chadwick Boseman's last ones? Uh, oh, Ma Rainey's. Ma Rainey's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She was fucking crazy in that too. But yeah, yeah she is nuts in this. And her and Peter Dink, like this is the supporting cast of this movie, like really does yeah. anchor it down. Like, yeah, because Tom Blythe is really good, and so is Rachel Zegler. But like, yeah, um, Peter Dinklage is fucking the man in every scene he's in. Uh, Viola Davis, Jason Schwartzman, like all those people, like really anchor this shit. 
Yeah. Is uh yeah. So I mean, kind of in closing, I guess I'd say like if people enjoyed the idea of the world of the Hunger Games, I would 100% go see this. Even if you maybe by the end of the Hunger Games were kind of over it, I felt like this was fresh enough and kind of interesting enough and and everything to to visit visit Pan 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 Am again. <laughs> I was going to say Pandora. But, <laughs> Way to make a sale. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that'll do it for this week. We tried to get through as much as we could. Uh, the rest of us got, we got to move on with our lives, but, uh, yeah, you can follow me, Ben Kendrick on all the socials. Uh, you can check out what I'm doing over at static media. We run looper and slash film, Mr. Rob keys. Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter, uh, at Rob underscore keys. That's K E Y E S. Uh, I think I'm fail cube with a bunch of other socials and, I will have some more Screaming at 20th Anniversary video content coming very soon, so I'm sure we'll talk about that next time. You going to go see The Hunger Games? Uh, well, you said ca- so. Catching Fire is the only one I really liked from the first four, uh, so I might. Uh, I'm a big fan of Rachel, so so yeah, I think I'll see it. All right, all right. Well, you have to let us know what you think. And special guest Kofi Outlaw. You can find me on the socials at Kofi Outlaw. There's only one of me. You could also check me out on the hopefully award-winning podcast, Comic Book Nation. We uh, are the only show that does it all for geek culture, and that's about it. Yeah. And I'm also here on Podcast X as a special guest, chopping up with these guys. And, uh, you know, I can't be like The Rock, but happy birthday to you. <laughs> and I'll crush some Terramana and Neho, too, man. That shit's good. Uh, so yeah, happy birthday, Screen Rant. Twenty years. That's so uh, so bugged out. Yeah. From your from your crazy controversial beginnings to now, like as a well oiled <laughs> machine. And congratulations to Rob Keys. Oh, that was the other part. You know, I didn't say that when we were having our whole talk. I, I blew my mind that you are the longest running survivor because yeah. <laughs> you were the person I always figured would be like the first one fucking out the door. To do like, what? <laughs> no, like not in a bad way. Dude, that would be like, yo, I'm I'm like running my own fucking game studio over here now. Nice, oh. <laughs> I'm out of here. Like, you're always making moves. You were like the PR guy. I was like, this guy's gonna be like the first one to be like, fuck you, get out of here. There's <laughs> real money to be made somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, 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 yeah, a lot of good offers, but I'm like, no, I bleed Screen Rant still for whatever reason. <laughs> Hence so me working from 3 a.m. till midnight yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're like in that whole lineup with the Negan bat. You're the last one. You got you're making it out. Yeah, <laughs> the rest of us are like eyeballs out on the floor. You know, it's uh, uh, good yeah. for you, man. You're the survivor. That's yeah, bugged out. Time, Rob Keys, sure. the guy who just was like who used to just drop the kind of craziest best comments on the site first. Yeah, it was like That's a absolute story. He just was fucking popping off in the comments about theories. <laughs> I was finally when he said just that. hire this guy. I, I was talking uh, internally. I like to bring that up every two years. I'm like, hey, can we bring back comments? And I know it's a nightmare to moderate, but like that's kind of how I got the site. Like that's how I got my job. Like, uh, so I hope one day some version of that will resurface because that was a special time. I was a commenter on Screamer for two years before I, uh, before the owner reached out to me and said, hey, just do that for the site, man. <laughs> yeah. Then we got paid. Do you remember this? I got paid five dollars an article when I started. Hell, yeah, that yeah. was brother. That was like. You were living in the fucking highfalutin times. The first time when I started, there was a system. It was insane. It was like you got like – I forget what it was. It was like a couple like cents. It was like some amount of cents for every like a thousand clicks or something like that. It yes. Was, so, it, it was some insane system and it was like – it was like pennies. 
It was nothing. It was when I first joined. It was five dollars an article, right? And to me, I was like, man, if I write twenty articles, that's that's like fucking you know eighty eighty bucks or hundred whatever, and like I can or hundred bucks, and I can that covers my beer money and my internet. That's a win, right? As a side gig for fun. I didn't know I got paid, but then if I got a thousand views in the first whatever it was day or month, week or month, you got an extra two dollars per article. So I'm like seven dollars an article. Holy shit! I'm gonna make all the money. <laughs> and then. Uh, yeah. Wow. Oh, man. Then I realized days, how it all man. really works. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah wow. Those were the days, man. Yeah. yeah happy yeah. <laughs> happy birthday to Screen Rant. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I said it on Twitter. Like, the best thing about Screen Rant is the friends that I made along the way. And you two, I mean, Kofi and I knew each other before, but we obviously became a lot closer. Over yeah. That here. dump truck full of money didn't hurt either, buddy. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you all later. Yeah, next time.